listening to ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast with the biggest balls of all, with your hosts, Kurt Squires and Greg Ferguson. It's time to rock. Are you ready? It's time for another episode of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, the podcast where extraordinary fans salute this extraordinary band. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, and along with fellow cohorts Greg Ferguson and Eric Keelb, we decided to kick off season two with a posthumous interview from a legendary rock and roll outlaw, Ian Frazier Kilmister, better known to the world as Lemmy. It's been said that in England on Christmas Eve in 1945 that God created Lemmy, a man who explored new musical genres with his overdriven Rickenbacker bass, touring the world over countless times and worshipped by fans and fellow musicians alike. Unfortunately, the rock and roll world would lose Lemmy just four days following his 70th birthday back in 2015. However, we did manage to catch up with the founder of Motorhead one sunny day in California, dressed in his military attire, sporting those signature mutton chops, and discussing the band that we all love so much. Without further ado, let's open up the archives on this exclusive interview with Lemmy for the very first time here on Beyond the Thunder. First off, Lemmy, just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us here today. Uh, we've all heard about you practically living at the Sunset Strip's Rainbow Bar and Grill, saddled up to the bar with one hand cradling a Jack and Coke, kind of like we are right now, and the other hand pulling on your favorite slot machine. So with your love of gambling, have you ever considered moving to Vegas? Man, if I lived in Vegas, I'd be broken. <laughs> no kidding. That is an evil town, isn't it? No, it's not. It's just like it, it's, it's, it gives you your free reign to do what you want. Right. To do what fucks you. True. Not the town, it's you. That's very true. You know? <laughs> all, all Vegas is saying is do it, you know. Actually, it's not so much saying it, it's whispering it. <laughs> you, know? you can stop whenever you want, but you don't want to. I know? usually get in trouble in Vegas, I know that. Yeah, yeah, but it's not their fault. Well, speaking of Vegas, you can't help but conjure up the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, who you consider to be one of your earliest influences. Do you categorize your band Motorhead and even a band like ACDC as pure straight-up rock and roll fashioned on Elvis's inspiration, or are you simply just too heavy to fit into that rock and roll genre? I mean, ACDC are a rock and roll band. They're like us, you know. Agreed. Uh, we don't play metal like ACDC don't play metal. Like Deep Purple didn't play metal, you know. It's been interpreted as that since. Yeah. But this was before the term heavy metal existed, you know. Exactly. So we were just rock and roll bands, you know. So bands like ACDC or Motorhead to be pigeonholed as metal, does that frustrate you? No, it's not that. It's just like having something invented after you and then being lumped in with it. You know, I mean, I don't appreciate that, really. I thought we were a rock and roll band. I like playing rock and roll. Yeah, ACDC you know. will say the same thing. There's not much heavy metal that is really my kind of music, you know. Where was the very first time that you saw ACDC play live? Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I went to see him 
at a boozer, at a pub. They were playing a pub, you know. The, I saw the pistols there as well, actually. Oh, wow. The Nashville in West Kensington. Yeah. It's called the Three Kings now. But like, that was a great place, you know. Everybody played there, everybody. And they were over from Australia for a tour. Mm -hmm. And they, he did the running around the boozer with Angus on his shoulders. Nice, bomb, you know? nice. And I, it was obvious that they were huge then, although they weren't huge then, you know, but it was obvious right. it was a matter of weeks. You know? Right, and when you say that, how did you know that ACDC was going to make it big? How did you know it was going to be obvious? Well, you know, man, some bands you see and you know. Like the Beatles were another one, you know, you saw the Beatles, you knew. Right. You saw the Searchers and you knew. You saw the Stones and you knew, you know, I mean, all them bands that I saw, I was really lucky, you see. I got to see a lot of these legends in the flesh. Wow. And close up in the small shows, Hendrix, you know. You saw him, you think, Jesus Christ, he's overdue. You know? That's right. And I had read where after moving to London back in the late 60s that you were actually a roadie for Jimi Hendrix, right? Yeah, yeah, for a while. That's amazing. Did you did you room with one of the band members, Noel Redding or something? No. Uh, well, yeah, and not on tour. And uh, I, I, I was sleeping, actually. I rang up his roadie, Neville. See if I could sleep okay. on this floor because I'd know how to stay, you know. Gotcha. And he said, "Yeah." And he was showing the flower. He was showing the flower with Noel Redding. Wow! So. so that just goes to show you how far back your musical roots go. During the '60s and early '70s, your musical career took place in the form of several bands like the Rocking Vickers, Opal Butterfly, and of course the psychedelic space rock band Hawkwind, um, until ultimately forming Motorhead in 1975, just months after the birth of ACDC. Do you consider a band like Motorhead similar to ACDC? Well, we're from basically the same time slot, you know. We started about, well, they started before us, but more or less. 74. The same time slot, yep. and uh, we both play rock and roll, you know. I mean, we started way back, you know, really. It's, it's really way back. I mean, I started before Motorhead, you know, obviously, before Hawkman. Mm -hmm. So I started playing about 1962, wow. 61, you know, wow. professional. And uh, they started a little after that. But I wasn't in a settled band then, not till a while later, you know. But like, we're uh, birds of a feather, like, you know. Yeah. And how is a band like Motorhead different than ACDC in your mind? Well, we play a little faster than them. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true, very true. I, I think I know the difference between ACDC and Motorhead. ACDC Live, bring the family. Motorhead, probably leave your kids behind, right? Well, they do, but only after they're a certain age. You don't bring your little kids to see Motorhead. <laughs> right, right. You bring your grown-up kids to see Motorhead. Exactly. Well, you know, we're... ACDC have crossed the line, you see. They've gone beyond being a rock and roll band. They, they've become uh, a, a thing, you know, an international event, you know. Mm -hmm. like, and they don't tour as much as we do. Like, we're common as muck, us, you know. Like, we're sluts, you know, we play all the time. <laughs> you know? Whereas, uh, you have to wait for ACDC, you know. You mentioned seeing ACDC for the first time in England watching Bond prance around with Angus on his shoulders. Did you ever get a chance to meet Bond? Yeah, once or twice. 
never really had a decent conversation with the man. I remember we did about three shows with him once, supporting him. Oh. That was in the very early days of Motorhead. Okay. And uh, he just looked knackered all the time, you know, because he, he gave it everything in the stage show, you know. And I saw him a couple of times in London at Hammersmith. Took a chick I was dating up there to impress her. <laughs> Get backstage at ACDC, you know. I remember seeing him come off stage and in between songs and like fall down, you know, and then get up and get pushed back on. Wow. You know, no kidding. You, you really give it all. It's good, you know, that's how you should do it. It's a workout, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, what a great memory. I, I guess I didn't realize that you'd played a few shows with ACDC. Did you, did you have a rapport with any other band members over the years? No, it was just like, when you're in a band and these guys are in another band, you never really get to form a, a long friendship with them because you're always on the road, you know. You go clack and then you go away again, you know. Like I went to see him at Wembley about, what, five years ago? Yeah. Maybe 10 years ago, I don't fucking know, you know. <laughs> 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 and then backstage and had a chat and it was like meeting old friends, you know, because like with the same people, you know. Yeah, sure. Does life on the road make you feel younger or older? Both different times. Yeah. On stage younger, everything else older. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. You've been a pretty vocal admirer of ACDC over the years for their no-nonsense, straight-ahead, no-BS approach to songwriting, not unlike Motorhead. What would you say is the quintessential ACDC song if you had to pick one? I don't know, there's so many of them, you know. I mean, it's impossible, really. Yeah. Can I sit next to you, girl? I always loved that one. Wow. And it's a long way to the top. That's probably one of my favorites. Yep, classic. TNT, you know. There's so many of them, a whole lot of Rosie, you know. The live version is fantastic, you know. Oh, yeah. Those are some great choices, especially Can I Sit Next to You, Girl? Talk about going old school. That predates Bon Scott as one of the band's earliest tracks. So that's some pure rock and roll right there. Um, I figured you would mention It's a Long Way to the Top. Um, as you covered that on the ACDC tribute album called Thunderbolt back in the 90s. Were you happy with how that one came out? It was unfortunate. The, uh, the mix wasn't great. The guitar was too loud. You know, I thought, I've got a rough mix that's much better. thought it sounded like classic Lummy to me. That track really does represent ACDC though, doesn't it? At least the Bond Scott years. It's just a great song, you know, that's all. It's that simple. So the mix was too loud. Who, who played guitar on that track? I forget now, was it Jake Healy? I, I think it was Jake Healy, you're right. Because yeah, you don't do it at the same time, you know, you're not in the studio right. at the same time. Right. I think um, former ACDC drummer Simon Wright yeah. actually played with you on that as well. Part of ACDC Beyond the Thunder's endgame is discovering how this band has not only influenced and inspired people like yourself, but also infiltrated different aspects of our lives, including movies and TV commercials and sporting events, even WrestleMania. That's not sport, that's, that's choreography. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
Uh, so what is it about ACDC's music that they have become the go-to band when you're at any sporting arena or stadium around the continent? It's good scrapping music, you know. It's good squaring off music. It's good music to compete by. Yeah. One thing that Motorhead and ACDC share during their career is getting slagged by the press and receiving early recognition. It wasn't until 2005 that you won your first Grammy for best metal performance. There's that word metal again. And ACDC eventually followed suit, which is crazy if you think about their library of classic hits to be overlooked. I know, that's, you know they should have had one 20 years ago. You know, it's not fair. But then life isn't fair, you know. Tough to everybody. Life isn't fair, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're a self-proclaimed war buff and sport a huge German military collection. Um, both Angus and Brian share an interest in military history as well. And in fact, Brian lent his voice talents to the video game Call of Duty. Were you ever asked to participate in any military video games for music or voiceover? I did one for Scarface. You're kidding me. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> the character in Scarface. What character do you play? I'm the British arms dealer. <laughs> How fitting. <laughs> A lot of your song titles and lyrical content stem back to your affinity for military history. One of my favorites being 1916. It's a great song. Um, ACDC have also tackled many tunes revolving around war. How does rock and roll and the topic of war coincide for you? Well, it's the most interesting part of history, you know, is the wars. I mean, if you want to read about the medieval time, you don't hear about fucking medieval agrarian reform, do you? You know, you don't hear about the small farms going under and the large and their states taking up. You want to hear about <laughs> cut and thrust and <laughs> slash and die, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's yeah. a boy thing, I think. Oh, it's definitely a boy thing, for sure. Both ACDC and Motorhead have reached a point in their careers where you even have your own action figures. I know, action figure. I said to the guy, are you going to put a cock on it? He said, no. I said, it's not going to see much fucking action then, is it? <laughs> you know, but there you go. Greatest Lemmy quote of all time right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about getting to a status where what you've created artistically permeates beyond the music and into pop culture and, and essentially becoming a character? You've got to keep a sense of humor about this shit, you know. If you start believing that, you end up in a mental hospital, you know, sticking straws in you. You know, it's not true, you know. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's just foolish me, you know. It's and all I, bollocks, you know. Yeah, and I, I think both you and the boys in ACDC have always been able to keep your feet on the ground and not believe the hype. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And how do you, and I, and I feel bad for saying this, and I do frequently, how do you not become the Gene Simmons of rock and roll? Well, because, uh, you know, I mean, Gene, see, Gene's mindset is to do that. You know, he, he doesn't mind, because his goal is the, the money you know, and letting everybody know that it's the money. And that's all right, you know, that's just one way of doing it. It's not my way. I, I just think it's uh, foolish, you know, to think that I'm a fucking icon of some sort, you know, because an icon is a small Russian religious painting, you know, which is uh, about right, you know. Yeah, and now you've become an icon by pretending not to be one, so. There you go, you see, you can't win, can you? No, there's no winning that game. And speaking of icons, Authors from Stephen King to actors like 
Javier Bardem, to even cartoonists like Mike Judge, all have expressed how ACDC have influenced their life in truly unique ways. Yeah, these people kept coming up to me when they were on TV, you know. People kept coming up to me and saying, hey man, Beavis and Butt, I'd really like you, man. And I said, they're drawings. They're not really there, man, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, but they really like you, you know. Jesus Christ, how far down that road do we have to go, you know? <laughs> and we're also talking with military war heroes and priests and stockbrokers and, of course, musicians who play everything from country to rap to folk and bluegrass covers. Why has ACDC become this pantheon of all-time greats on a global level? Music is infectious. You know, music spreads itself around, you know. Music is in and of itself, in and of its nature, like mixable, you know. There's no boundaries with music at all, you know, unless you put them up yourself, you know. Yeah, well said. And if you had to think about two or three bands that you would guess influenced ACDC, and Motorhead to that extent, who would you choose? Well, let's start with the Beatles, you see. Mm -hmm. Before that, rock and roll was something you did in a back alley with the girl with the skirt up around her waist, you know. <laughs> that was rock and roll. And right. then it became acceptable because everybody liked the Beatles. Even your mum and dad liked the Beatles. Sure. And that was kind of a drag, really, but at the same time, you, you still couldn't help yourself, you know, because they were so good, you know. Right. That's why everybody liked them. They were so good. And uh, then the Stones came along, and that was perfect because they could be the bad guys, you know. <laughs> In fact, it was the other way around. The Beatles were from Liverpool, which is like a hard, hard town, you know. Whereas the, the Stones are all from like suburbs of London, which That's is really, right. I never thought you know, of that. Quite soft, you know, compared with Liverpool, but they are, you know. It's all the publicity department, isn't it? You know? Yeah, exactly. The Stones were dressed up, you know. <laughs> and you sense Keith has become something of a, you know. He's become, he should have been from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The Stones actually did play the role of the bad guy, even now. Uh, and, and bands like Motorhead and ACDC always were under the guise of the bad guy, right? If you get above a certain age, people stop thinking of you as dangerous. You know, you, uh, people have this terrible misconception that you have to be young to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It's not true. Believe me, as you get older, you know more bad things, you know? <laughs> I like that. That's funny. It's like when you send a kid to jail, he's not a criminal going in, but he certainly will be when he comes out, you know, because yeah. that's the school for criminals, jail. True. You know? That's why sending marijuana smokers to jail is a terrible mistake, because they're, they're not criminals when they go in, they just smoke a couple of joints. When they come out, they're criminals. Let's talk about the fans for a moment. Um, ACDC and, and Motorhead have an incredible fan base, incredible, loyal, and a connection that is shared around the world. That's almost like a community. Yeah, it becomes that, you know. People have got to have some sort of thing to hold on to. I right, guess. yeah. I mean, we have our guys, you know. We have Motorhead fans who've been with us for 30 years, 40 years. You know, not 40 years, 30 years. And, and they come to every show. We had one kid from Germany showed up in Brazil, you know. What? And these guys planned their vacations around our tours, you know. They take their vacation when our tours on. They come to every show. Wow. Sleep in the car, you know.
That's a real commitment. It, it's wonderful, but truly on another level, do you connect with those people or feel responsible on some level as a person that they look up to? I, I, I just think that they've got it, you know, they, they, they got it when we put it out, they got it, you know. And I used to be like that. I'd follow a band I liked around. I used to follow the birds around, Ronnie Wood's first band. Yeah, right, right. right. And, uh, I remember them letting us sleep in their van one night. You know, wow. it was big for us, you know. So I, I remember what it was like to be like that, you know. And that's important too. Yeah. Because a lot of people in your shoes, they tend to lose perspective. Yeah, a lot of people forget. A lot of people are all caught up in themselves, you know. Right. And that's important not to forget. Um, they say don't ever meet your heroes. You might be disappointed. But I think with people like yourself and the guys from ACDC, they never forget where they came from. Super down to earth, and it shows. And since we're talking about fans putting you on a pedestal, in 2005, the UK magazine Classic Rock, which is my favorite magazine, presented you with its first Living Legend Award. So I've got to ask the immortal question, originally heard in the film Airheads, Lemmy or God? I think God's probably taller. <laughs> <laughs> Much taller, you know. <laughs> There's certainly a lot of great parallels with Motorhead and ACDC in your timeline, in your tenacity, in your rock and roll integrity, even your boots on the ground touring approach. Are there any other stories about ACDC that you'd like to share that we haven't asked you about or we may have missed? I would like to get to know the guys better. And I would, I would have liked to meet them earlier on, you know, as well. Um, but I knew their big brother, so watch out, you know. Oh. I knew George, you know. You knew George <laughs> the, from the Easy Beats? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. Did you know George uh, from the touring days or as a producer? No, no, but they were around the same time as the Rockin' Vickers when I was in the Rockin' Vickers. Right? No kidding. That was the same sort of time. And your favorite Easy Beats song was? Friday on my mind. Yes, of course. Great song. Yeah, it was. I was very impressed with them. That was a great band. Great band and a great producer. And dare I say, ACDC would likely not exist without George Young. True. Well, it probably would be, but it'd be an incredibly different format, I suppose. Right. You never know what would happen, you know. History hinges on small events, you know. Oh, I like that. Like if you hadn't been available to take him in the studio and do the first recording, you know, like right, right. pass on his knowledge or whatever. If they'd just been the two oldest kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. Talk about brothers banding together. I've always been intrigued with siblings working together in the same band, the dynamics behind that from the Kinks and the Black Crows and Oasis and, and Heart. Did you ever play with bandmates who were siblings? Uh, well, I've worked with support bands, but not in my not in the band I was in. No, that's got to be tough, man. Must be fucking awful, man. Uh, and most of these bands end up not speaking to each other for years, or sometimes ever. Or, or the opposite, never speak to anybody else. Yeah, maybe you've hit upon something, and maybe that's how the Young Brothers have survived any family family drama. I don't know. I really don't know about Angus and Malcolm. It, like, I, I, it's Malcolm's band, you know. Has been since day one, but like, 
I don't think he strong arms it much. You know, I don't think he has to. You know. I don't know how much Brian thinks of himself as the new boy. <laughs> That's so funny. Eddie Trunk said the same thing to us, that Brian probably feels like he's still the new guy after all these years. Yeah, yeah. It's like Ronnie still thinks he's the new guy in the Stones, you know. It's just the last one to join, you know. It's always going to be the new boy, you know. Right. Well, Lemmy, um, we know you've got to run. Thank you so much for your time. So honored to say that we were able to share Jack and Coke, talk about my favorite band with a true rock and roll icon. And I hate to admit this, but I've yet to see Motorhead perform live. I know. I missed you uh, and the boys when you came through recently to North Carolina, and I've, I was traveling, so I was really bummed. I'm sorry. You better hurry up, man. I'm not getting into you. <laughs> it's on my list. But before you leave, we have one last question, which we ask all of our guests. If you had to sum up ACDC in just one word, what's your word of choice? Maybe two words with a hyphen, rock and roll. Awesome. And awesome. ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast. All rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shazbot. Nanu Nanu. <laughs> <laughs>